0: You're listening
1: to the Keep Optimizing Podcast.
0: To increase your traffic, improve your conversion rates and grow your profits. Hello and welcome. If you are looking to improve the performance and return on investment of your marketing, then you are in the right place. I'm Chloe Thomas, the host of this marketing-focused podcast, and it's very, very cool to have you tuning in to what is just our second episode. So, thank you for, for you know, sticking around for number two. Now, because this show is brand new, I'm running a competition where you could win a Keep Optimising Podcast t-shirt. Oh, yes. Now, stay tuned to the end of the episode to find out how to enter. In today's episode, I'm talking to Gavin Lojany about preference centres, because this month we're all about email marketing. Yes, all five shows we're putting out in July, that's episodes one to five, are about different aspects of email marketing. In today's episode, we're talking about a topic that I know a lot of marketers struggle to work out how to really use effectively. Given how rich it can make our segmentation and therefore increase our sales, we really need to know how to use preference centres better. And that's what Gavin's here to help with. We're just about to meet Gavin, but before we do, please do check out the sponsors. create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O slash masterplan. Today, I'm chatting with email marketing expert Gavin Logini, head of strategy and insight from Dot Digital, which is one of the leading email service providers in the world. Now, Gavin has over 10 years experience helping businesses of all shapes and sizes build their email marketing programs to increase customer lifetime value, loyalty, and of course, ultimately return on investment. Hello, Gavin.
1: Hello. Hello.
0: How are you doing today? I'm
1: good. I'm good. You know what? The sun has just come out. That's great. It was great just a second ago, but you know.
0: It's a good sign for our conversation, I think. It is a good
1: sign, right? Yeah.
0: The sun is shining on clever email marketing. There you go. (laughs) So Gavin, how did you get into email marketing all those years ago?
1: Uh, all those years ago, you know, as I was a, a kid, I always wanted to be an email marketer.
0: <laughs> really? Me too. <laughs> <laughs> no, um,
1: it uh, totally fell into it. Totally by accident. I um, I was selling ads based into uh, magazines for Haymarket once upon a time. And um, I was selling to this one business. And the woman I was selling to said, no, we don't want that. But we Kind of like the sound of you, I think you could uh, you could come and work for us, and um, we do this thing called email marketing. I was like, what is that? Um, and then totally, totally fell into it. Um, got nothing to do with what I studied. I studied politics at uni, um, although I have to be kind of political with some some clients.
0: <laughs> um, I'm, sure, I'm sure a grounding in politics comes in useful in all scenarios. I, I, think, I think it
1: helps for everything, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, totally fell into it. It wasn't something that um, I I'd thought of before. Um, email probably wasn't the force that it is now back then, all those years ago, probably about 15, 16 years ago um that was when you know I'd, I'd get on a call with someone and they'd say oh email marketing isn't that spam which which kind of shows exactly where we are now because I don't think anyone necessarily thinks of email in that particular way
0: yeah I remember back back at similar times to that I remember um, I was running a marketing agency at the time, trying to sell email marketing services to retailers. Mm. And you go in and you go, "Wow, you've got you've got a list of 30,000. Have you ever you ever emailed them? No, all the email is spam. I'm never doing email. And you're like, right? I can't work with that. I'm not a good enough salesperson to work with that. But it's yeah, it's mind blowing now that people were just so closed off to it,
1: so closed off to it. And now they actually see the the benefits of it. Um, that's probably because of uh, uh, an increase in the technology as well. And um, with that. It, t- it tends to bring along people's sort of understanding of, of what they can do so yeah
0: yeah better times now and you're you're here today to talk about preference centers and data which is something which I um, I know I was talking about fifteen years ago, but the technology to do it was incredibly difficult. So we kind of it was one of those things you talked about in conferences, but you never actually really did. Um, but now the tech is there to do it, and retailers are starting to embrace it, aren't they? So why should are the, those listening be embracing the idea of preference centers?
1: Um, I mean, let's let's be honest here um why not just just a crazy idea why not let's just ask the people that you're sending your messages to what they want a <laughs> crazy 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 idea um and then once they tell you what they want well then maybe you can send them exactly what they're looking for rather than, than guessing it's it's one of those things where um we always assume that we know better We assume we know what our customers want. We even assume sometimes that we know who our audience are uh, specifically. but we can never know. The, the only way we're going to know is through the data. The data never lies. It tells us exactly where, where we should be um, and, and what we should be doing. And preference centers help us get to that place. It is a natural progression for any business who has started off um, collecting either email addresses, phone numbers, whatever, to contact people. It's the next step is to find out exactly who these people are so I can market to them better. We're always striving to to sort of get to that place where on a high street, you know, you're the local high street, when you walked in, into the door and someone knows exactly who you are. Um, oh, we've got your um, Fishing Weekly. I don't know why Fishing Weekly came to my head, <laughs> but we, you know, I, I don't even fish. Um, but, you know, Gavin, we've got your Fishing Weekly magazine. The local store um, uh, owner will know that about me. And, you know, straight away, I'm like, yes, I do need that. Um, we lose that when we're not on a high street, but it is possible to gain that sort of, um, that sort of high street feel, that personalized feel in a digital world. Um, we're just, uh, you know, we're creating that, um, that, that, that feel that we get through the data we, uh, we collect of people and preference centers uh, are the way that we, we develop that, um, that personal touch
0: because a lot of companies are, are trying to do that personal touch simply by looking at what people are doing rather than what they're telling you. So what what's the added benefit of getting the telling you data not just the they looked at shoes last week data?
1: It's this is a term that um, I, I sort of love and it's um it's you know you creating your digital body language because it's it's something that um, it helps to fuse the the sort of implicit and explicit data. Um, again, going back to the same um, sort of experience you'd have in a store. And I always take this back in my head to when I used to work at the Gap, when I used to work at the Gap, you'd have a a certain, um, you know, you have like prejudices, someone walks through the door, you can see how they're dressed and you think ultimately, oh, I know what you're going to need, but then they make a beeline for a particular table and, you know, or wall of denim or something like that. And then straight away, you're going to have to take what you've, what you can see about them. Coupled with what they're looking at to give them exactly what they need, um, and that's why just looking at that sort of um, implicit data that you you have, you know, people, um, you know, uh, going on your website and looking at particular things, that's one side of the fence. The other side is them actually telling you exactly um, what they want, and then you can fuse those two pieces together to get that that digital body language, something that you'd be able to do offline pretty easily and do it online in just the just the same way
0: i love your example of the gap because it's like you know you could have be someone who who walks in through the door goes straight over to that wall of denim that you mention and you go you know the the gap person comes over to talk to you and you as the customer go i love your denim but it just doesn't fit yeah. You know which which then either gives you the challenge of let me prove to you that it will fit yeah. as the salesperson or it gives you right so what can I help you with today you know we know you love the denim have you tried this have you tried that which unless you're actually having that conversation with the person
1: Exactly. Yeah.
0: Your behavior is giving them exactly the wrong the wrong piece. So, do you like denim? Uh, obviously, it's one of the questions we could ask in a preference center. But, you know, is it is a preference center these days questions like do you want emails weekly or is it what products are you interested in or is it do you want the sale and other emails? How do we how do we structure that that those choices that we give the customer so we don't limit ourselves in the future, mm-hmm. but we're still giving the customer Segment, I guess, segmentations we actually going to use?
1: Yeah, yeah, there's so, so much in that that question. Because one of the main things you've got to ask yourself is, what am I willing to offer? Um, I spoke about this with someone just yesterday, in fact, um, talking about uh, cadence. You know, um, should I be putting in a preference center how often I'm going to send emails to people? Well, that gives you an instant issue because let's say I'm going to send five emails a month. Let's let's say that for argument's sake. That means every time um, I send out an email, I'm going to have to tick off a a box for you, Chloe. You've said you've said five emails you want to get a month. I'm going to have to say, OK, I've sent three already. I've got another two um, that I can send you, but I've got another five that I want to send this month. How many of those should I send to you? Um, That makes it so difficult because you can never, never make a decision for that person what I should be sending.
0: And actually, customers aren't, they're not really thinking in terms of, yeah, I'm willing to get two emails from you a month. What they really want is two good emails from you a month. And to be honest, if you sent them three good emails, then they're not gonna go oh oh I'm not going to read the third one because I told you you're only allowed to send me two. Well,
1: what defines a good email right? Um, you can't you can't make that decision um, you leave it to them so if you if you give them uh, options on I don't know promotions um, you know specific uh, information about particular uh, products uh, nuances, whatever um, and then maybe um, events or oh God events
0: yeah interesting idea
1: Uh, anyway so those 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 three things you give them those options and they tell you they want to hear about all three well then it's up to you then to deliver good um content for each of those um each of those categories and then give it to them um it's the the same old experience we used to say um you know there's three things i want to uh, i owe you some money there's an event i want to tell you about as well and it's your birthday um well, I don't want to give you the money because I don't want to give you cash. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, it's your birthday, and there's an event later. Uh, I can't speak to you about those two things. I can only choose one of those. Well, what's going to be best for you? Well, actually, you're going to want to know about all of those three things. Um, so, if I give you the chance to to um, be told that, then I know exactly what to deliver to you.
0: So, for a successful preference centre, then we're we're looking to ask to enable the customer to answer questions but that we're actually able to deliver on and that don't cause us a, a massive headache. Yeah. But I'm also getting the sense it's a less is more. So, you know, those ridiculous, I say ridiculous, those preference pages, I shall not lead the witness, Um, those, those preference <laughs> pages you get that take up the whole of a large desktop screen with endless boxes you can tick, that's not where we want to start with our preference centre.
1: That's the key thing you just said there, where you want to start with it. Um, I, I say, you know, you can you always, always be testing uh, and develop that preference center. Don't think whatever you start off with has to be what you remain with in, you know, two years time, or whatever, you, you know, you can develop it and change bits and pieces and add, uh, add along the way. But it's um, it's where you want to start. Ask those specific things um, that is going to be helpful to you and to the to the customer as well. It's just like when you're collecting uh, data in the first first instance, you don't want to ask too many questions of that person because they'll switch off. Um, but if you ask the the, um, the you know the nitty gritty the, the bits and pieces that are actually going to help both of you, then that's that's fine. But also, if they don't fill out bits and pieces, um, that could be a leading question to you as well. So if you ask you know you've got like six questions on your preference center, but you' find that only people are are answering three of those, well it might mean that those other three mean nothing at all. So maybe that's a point for you to to get rid of those and, and simplify even
0: more. You, uh, you bring an interesting point into there, Gavin, which is you said um, when someone signs up, you might only ask them X, Y and Z. So at which point do we give someone the preference centre? And, and I guess, do we give it them all in one go?
1: <laughs> um well uh let me cop out on this one and say test it <laughs> uh, always always test it always test it that's that's the one thing you need to do but um what i would say is as to when to expose them to the preference center it should be almost straight away so you uh, you get them to sign up um whether or not you're going to do double opt-in is, uh, is up to you um so you get them to sign up um and then within the welcome program the nursery program whatever you want to call it you have a link to it there. You say, you say, you know, this is what we're all about, um, you know, to, to, to bring you into our world. But actually, in the same way, we want to know more about you as well. Um, so tell us more about you. And this is where you can tell us more about you in the preference center. I think if you leave it any later than that, um, you you lose that sort of connection with people um, and you might not get them to, to fill out the preference center. But that's not to say that it shouldn't always be there in your campaign. I think uh, if you're sending out your, your you know your regular comms in the footer, it should be there all the time. Um, you know, if you can make space for the real estate in the top of the the page as well, great. Um, I think it's always there. The, the greatest examples I've seen are, are ones that um, within your email campaign, you can actually see your preferences um, there. So, if you do want to change it, you can see it straight away in your campaign. You can click on it and then then go to the to the next step.
0: Nice. And um, you said about uh, we have someone they sign up on the website, so they give us their email address. They start getting the welcome or the nursery campaign to tell them about the brand. And at that point, you give them a link back to the preference center. So it's kind of an optional, not a forced part of the funnel. Oh yeah. So they can ignore it if they want to. We're not. Yeah. So you wouldn't recommend doing a email sign up and you fill in your details and then the next page you land on is a preference center
1: well this, this is this is the the, the case for testing um, so you can see then at that point in time whether or not the the next step should be should be open for them to, to start filling out um, a preference center in some cases I've seen it that people get overwhelmed and they switch off straight away after sort of signing up um, but but test it. You know there's there's no there's no harm in testing it if it's wrong then scrap that and you can move on to the next step um that's a great um thing about you know working in this uh this industry that um, we can test things pretty pretty quickly um if we can see we're getting a sort of an adverse reaction uh for having a um, links to preferences straight away then we don't use that um but you'll never know until you until you test it so that's that's where I can I can cop out, but, but but you do need to you do need to have those those options available um, and seeing if it works for your particular audience.
0: And are there you mentioned you know the, some of the best that you see are the ones where people are actually reminding people of the preferences they've chosen in each email. Have you got a couple of uh, a couple of retailers we could all have a look at who are doing this particularly well?
1: Uh, I knew you were going to say that. Um, the- <laughs> <laughs> I've gone blank now. You've got me. You've got me. Um, there was a uh, there was a magazine that I used to see all the time. That I used to have that that type of thing in there. Um, I tell you, one who did have it and got rid of it for some some strange reason um, was Mark Suspensers. They used to have that in their in the foot of their campaigns, and then it just disappeared for some reason. I don't know why um mm. so uh, so that, that one was hope one. testing one would hope testing
0: not just someone looked at it and went i don't like that and got rid of it which is probably what happened
1: <laughs> mm, yeah well i haven't said that you said that yeah um, i said
0: that <laughs> <laughs> i'm allowed to say things like that right. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah there was i mean yeah there was the um, I'm trying to think of the the name of the magazine that uh, that does it. Shortlist Media. That was it. Oh, I got there. Shortlist Media.
0: Ah, uh, yeah, they're the uh, one of the free magazines that's given away on the tube in London back when we used the tube in London.
1: When we used to use the tube in London, yeah. But it was great because what they had was the days of the week that um, that you were subscribed to, because they they would cover different things on each day.
0: Yeah, they had like a tech day and a style day and a men's day and a
1: exactly. So you could see that in the foot of the email. So as you scroll down, you saw that you were ticked on, and you know if the, the tech day was unticked, you're thinking, oh, I, I, I need to hear about that. Click on that, opens up the preference center. Away you go. Yeah,
0: that's the thing. Yeah. It has to be easy for the customer to use as well as useful to us. I guess in some ways, at the preference center is is the space where we test out how well we understand the customer and we give the customer to tell us how badly we understand them because yeah. like you said if we set up a preference center initially and no one's ticking anything mm-hmm. then we've given them the wrong options
1: yeah well the other thing as well is and you know you might cover this in in uh, in another another uh, podcast but um surveys as well it kind of goes hand in hand. It's it's the same sort of thing. You're asking the audience what they'd like. Um, so if you want to add more or take some stuff away from the preference centre, why not just uh, just ask people what sort of things they're, they're looking for?
0: A good way to get into it, isn't it, is to do a, do a pure survey, which isn't influencing your data selections, where you say... You you kind of test out your preference center first, so you're not accidentally creating a scenario where you're not allowed to email anyone about anything.
1: Exactly, yeah, yeah. We're just not interested. Oops, yeah, you've messed up there. Um,
0: and are you a fan of um, a lot of companies? When you click unsubscribe these days, you go through to a preference center before you can unsubscribe. Is that good practice?
1: Um, it's, it's, uh, it's one thing you should be offering, which is again, in the foot of the email, it's uh, is an option to unsubscribe, but right next to it or amend your preferences. Um, so it's, it's, it's one of the, one of the other, um, I think you should always give people the option to unsubscribe, but at the same time, if you highlight the fact that you might not be getting what you expect to be getting because you haven't filled out your preferences, well, then you should be seeing that too. Um yeah, don't put any barriers up to, to people unsubscribing because um you know people need to unsubscribe. But hopefully the idea is by using a preference center, you reduce the the uh, the numbers of people unsubscribing because you are getting exactly what you want. Um if you have got a preference center and it's it's being optimized and people unsubscribe, then you know, there's no there's no way you're gonna save um save that person. Um but if you don't if you don't give them the option, they are definitely gonna unsubscribe
0: yeah and that's I guess that's one of the things, isn't it Preference centers are in the the over the long term, they're about giving people better quality content. So they never even occurs to them to want to unsubscribe, but they also have that that role to play in stopping them at the moment when they consider unsubscribing.
1: Yeah, yeah. You definitely you've got to make sure you're 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 making or getting your point across. You know, you've got some USPs. Explain to people what those USPs are, and hopefully they're highlighted in those categories that you're going to be um, putting into your preference centres.
0: Nice. Well, look, Gavin. Um, we are going to pause for a second now for a reminder of our sponsors, and then we're going to be talking about the wider world of email marketing. We're going to let you let loose across everything.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: It's safe to say that most of us have been doing more shopping online lately. And if you're an e-commerce brand, that means you might be seeing more first-time customers. But once they've made that first purchase, how do you keep them coming back? Well, that's what Klaviyo is for. Klaviyo is the ultimate email and SMS marketing platform for e-commerce brands. It gives you the tools to build your contact lists, send memorable emails, automate key messages and more way, way more. Whether you're launching a new business or taking your brand to the next level, Klaviyo can help you get growing faster, and it's free to get started. Visit klaviyo.com slash masterplan to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V I Y dot slash masterplan. Okay, Gavin, so far we've gone deep into preference centres. But now you get to wow us with your insider knowledge about the whole of email marketing. So for the following questions, your answer can be anything to do with email marketing, which of course does include preference centers. So you can still mention preference centers.
1: Okay, limber up.
0: I can see you across the video. which guys listening. You can't see he is literally limbering up. That's quite impressive. Gavin, you ready? You finished limbering?
1: I think, yeah, I think I'm okay. Yeah. All right.
0: Okay. Cool. Let's start with the email marketing newbie advice. If we've inspired someone to take their first step with email marketing today, what do they need to know to give themselves the best chance of success?
1: Um, to give yourself the best chance of a success is um, fill the funnel. Um, make sure it's easy for people to sign up to receive your emails in the first instance. After that, yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's open to you exactly what next steps to take. But if you don't make it easy for people to sign up, whether it's online or offline, do you remember offline? Um, whether it's online or offline, um, make it easy for them to sign up on your website, um, uh, in your stores, um, you know, SMS sign up as well if, if, if you've got that functionality, make it easy for people to join your mailing list.
0: Excellent. Okay, now then, once you've started, of course, um, you've got to keep optimising. So, what's your favourite way to improve email marketing performance?
1: Um, split testing. It's, 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 it's easy, um, only because... Um again, as I said earlier, everyone always assumes they know best. OK, let's take a subject line, for example. Um, I'm trying to uh, get more opens because more opens should lead to more clicks. More clicks should lead to more traffic, more traffic conversions. Right. So I'm going to optimize my um, my subject lines. And I think this is going to going to be great okay cool but all you're doing is you're hypothesizing right so you need to take that hypothesis and, and give yourself some sort of control and a, and a change to whatever the control usually is and test it out but give yourself time to get results back properly um don't just test for an hour you know test for a good three or four hours to, to make sure um that um that change is bedded in and then you can send to the remainder of the database but that's not where it ends right you know, people do one test and go, "I cracked it. That's it. That's what works for me." No, continue testing and give yourself time to test. Um, the one thing that um, is going to be um, really um, helpful to you here is getting yourself a bit of technology, <coughs> digital, a um, bit of technology um, that is going to make it easier for you because um, testing isn't isn't uh, rocket science, but it's time-consuming. And that will chop into your your bottom line and ROI, which is why you're doing it in the first place. So
0: yeah, anyone out there who's still on a system which doesn't make a split testing easy needs to uh, to move.
1: You you'd need to straight away.
0: Yeah, and uh, we should also say, whilst we're talking about split testing, we should say that you should be looking at the financial result of the split test, not the opens or the clicks. It's all about the money because that the only bit that matters
1: well why do it i i I tend to mention opens and clicks because i know that's what people are looking for but you're right you're right why do anything unless it's making you more money if this is making you more opens um and this is making you more money well then i know which one i'd be going for yeah Um, but you know there you go
0: yep Okay. The next question then is that it's impossible to improve our marketing unless we're monitoring the performance. But the list of stuff we could monitor can be overwhelming. So what for you is the number one email marketing KPI?
1: Oh, we just said it. ROI.
0: <laughs> I just think we completely already covered it, haven't we? Money. Yeah.
1: <laughs> ROI. Yeah. If you're not looking at that, then then I don't know what you're looking at, really.
0: It, 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 it still gets
1: me because um, brands always say, yeah, our open rate's really down. Um, you know we're not getting the same open rates anymore and then I ask well are you getting good ROI and here's that's the kicker because a lot of the time brands don't know how to calculate ROI
0: I've got to ask you now how would you calculate email marketing ROI then
1: um, you can keep it really simple. You can just look at the, the revenue that the uh, channel is generating and you can get that quite easily. This is like really rudimentary. You can get the, the revenue that's being generated on um, on Google Analytics or something. And then you can look at um, the number of people you're sending to um, and just do a, a, quick, a quick equation um, based on that. And then you can break it down even further to um, those who have opened. Then you can break it down even further to those who have purchased. And then you can get your, um, your value of email that way. Um, so you, you've got a couple of different metrics um, there. And then if you want to, you can break it down even further to specific sources. So it could even be that um, email addresses that I've collected offline versus online or um, in a pop-up versus in the footer of the page or um, some third-party um, uh, work that we've done with uh, another business like a, a collaboration or a competition. And then you can start to sort of break it down by that. But those are very um, sort of simple, rudimentary um, equations that can that can give you ROI.
0: I like the way you, you've explained those because I think in many companies, the cost of email marketing is just put as an overhead. It's like a, a number we pay each month. And then then when people try and work out ROI, they get hung up on how do I divide the money that it costs us across the activity. Whereas actually if you take the money out of the equation and you do it as a um sales per cent or a sales per open or sales per clicked, suddenly you've got a number you can use to compare everything without having to find a way to divvy up the, the cost, which um I, I like I like those equations. I
1: mean I still have to go into into that anyway, but there, there you go. That's that's it that's a really, a really so sort of simple way of doing it.
0: But that's the thing, isn't it? That sometimes you just need the simple equation because you can get hung up on the complex one and, and then you don't make any decisions, which, you know, what's the point of a KPI if it doesn't help you make decisions? Exactly. Right, Gavin, finally, it's crystal ball time. What is coming up in the next six to 12 months that we should be getting ready for with our email marketing?
1: Right. I, I might be a little bit um, sort of controversial with this one. I don't know if it's controversial, but um, uh, I... I there are there are changes coming in terms of um, tracking and what we're able to track. It's not clear at the moment. It's it's pretty grey. Um, I've spoken to a lot of different people as to what exactly is happening, and no one really knows. But it looks as though we're going to have to be completely <laughs> open, honest, and transparent about what we're um, uh, we're doing when we track people, which could mean that um, when someone um, clicks on an email we don't know who that person is or even that someone's clicked if we're removing that tracking. So what we're going to have to do is be more, as I said, open, honest and transparent about how we're using your data and why we're using it and what benefit that um, you're going to get off the back of it. So it's all about that sort of um, data exchange. Look, yes, we are tracking you, but the benefit of us tracking you is that you're going to get more relevant um, content. And the more relevant the content is, the less spam you're going to see. So, yeah,
0: I'm. I'm not going to push you to get into the legal stuff that's going on that's causing this, but but essentially, what we're talking about is the next step in the trend that's been um, GDPR and cookie laws and this data privacy thing, and it's now reaching the point where it's going to affect potentially affect depending on how it all drills down our our email put reporting
1: hmm. Potentially. I mean, it, it could just be a bit of a storm in a teacup because let's look at cookie laws, for example. Um, when you go on a, a website, how annoyed are you every time that you get this banner come up that says, oh, would you like to confirm what cookies we can try? I don't care that, that that's. Typically what people do, not everyone, I think the only people really that go into it and, and have a look at exactly what's being tracked are people like you and I, because we're we're interested. Um everyone else is just like, well, this is annoying me and it's spoiling my browsing um experience having this banner here. I just want to get rid.
0: Mike, whilst we're on that, I'm gonna rant for a second. The worst are the ones where I've told you you can have all the cookie permissions you want. And I come back here every day and every day you still give me the cookie permission pop-up. It's like, that's just the worst usability ever. <laughs> please, please stop doing that. <laughs> oh,
1: and it, you know what? This is almost like a good way to finish. Well, not, not finished exactly, but it goes right back to what I was talking about at the beginning of the experience you have in a local store. You walk into your local store and that person remembers you and you have a great customer experience that's what we're trying to deliver. So if you're taking that um, that away from it all, it just spoils it and people will start to go to places where they get that great customer experience and they won't come to anymore.
0: And of course, what we've what we've found out with all these, as these legislations have come in is that customers are perfectly happy to give us their data if it's improving their experience. They have no problem with it at all.
1: There you go. You should only be worried if you're trying to exploit their data or sell their data. Which, oh, anyway,
0: oh, oh. yes, <clears throat> <laughs> let's let's save that for another podcast. <laughs> well,
1: let's, let's sidestep that one,
0: right, Gavin? We are pretty much at the end of the show, so could you please let the listeners know a bit a bit more about Dot Digital and where they can find you?
1: Yep. So um, we are Dot Digital. Uh, Engagement Cloud is our, our platform. Um, I, I probably shouldn't have to say this anymore, but people might might remember us as uh, as Dot Mailer. We are um, we're a platform that uh, allows people to connect with their uh, their customers um, on uh, whatever platform it is: uh, e commerce, CRM, offline with web hooks, etc. Um, and then empowering them with AI automation, um, preference centers. Great. We were talking about preference centers today, (laughs) um, uh, allowing you to sort of segment your data, but also connect with people on a number of different channels. So email is our bread and butter, um, but SMS, social, um, mobile, WhatsApp, um, chat, live chat has been a great thing at the moment. Um, But we, you know, we allow people to connect with their customers on a number of different channels um, and I think that's another thing to add to a preference center as well is what channel you'd like to be contacted on. Um, so we're helping a number of people contact their, um, their, uh, their databases in the best way possible um, and we allow ease and speed of use.
0: Cool. And I believe you got an offer for the listeners as well. Yes. Yeah,
1: so not, not a specific offer um, necessarily, but if you go through to our, our website, um, uh, uh, .digital.com forward slash pages, forward slash offers, um, you'll be able to get some um, offers there. And, um, and yeah, you'll be able to, to get the best thing for you.
0: Awesome. I love it. Well, look, Gavin, thanks so much for being on the Keep Optimizing podcast today. It's been great, as it always is, to catch up with you. So, um, thanks for sharing your email marketing expertise with us.
1: No worries. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, it's always a pleasure to catch up with Gavin because he's so knowledgeable about email marketing, especially those more sophisticated tactics that many of us never quite get around to putting in place. And hopefully, we've, we've changed that today. He also makes it just so clear what we should be doing with our preference centers. Um, it's certainly an area I know I've made mistakes in or got confused about in the past. You know, it's one of those areas where you go, "I know I need a preference center, but I just can't quite work out what to put in it," so you never quite get anywhere. And I think after everything he said said in this episode, you should be able to get past that and start making preference centers be a key part of how you go about improving improving the performance and the return on investment of your email marketing, which is what we're here to help you do. Now, you can get links to everything Gavin and I discussed, the full transcript of the episode, important notes and more at keepoptimizing.com, And that's optimizing with an S, not a Z. Please do let me know what you think about the episode too. Now, the easiest way to do that is via Twitter or Instagram with the hashtag keepoptimising. As part of my mission to help you improve your marketing, I've invited all five of our email marketing specialists to join us for a Q&A webinar at the end of the month. That's going to be your chance to get your questions answered. So if you've been deliberating exactly what to put in your preference centre, come along and ask the question. You'll get Gavin's point of view and that of the rest of our specialists. Now, I know a lot of you love the questions I ask, but I'm sure you've got some of your own. So please do get registered for the webinar. Anything on email marketing will take questions on all of it. To get registered, just go to keepoptimizing.com. Remember, that's optimizing with an S, not a Z. And there you will find out all the details of how to sign up. The webinar is totally free, and it'll be lovely to see some of you there. So I get to connect with you and find out more about what you like about the podcast and maybe what you don't like too. So thank you very much for tuning into this episode of the podcast. If you're new, then please do check out episode four, where I'm talking everything email capture with the marvelous Kate Barrett, because that will Really fits nicely with what you've learned in this episode. And please do tell your fellow marketers about the show because, as I said, I'm on a mission to help as many marketers as possible to improve the performance of their marketing. One of the easiest ways to spread the word is to take part in our launch competition. Kudos to you for holding out right to the end to find out how to enter the competition. And what you can win is a Keep Optimizing Podcast t shirt. Yes, we're going to be giving a t shirt away every week in July and August. To be in with a chance of winning, what you need to do is find the show on Apple Podcasts. So search for Keep Optimising on Apple Podcasts. Once you've found us, hit subscribe and then rate and review the show. Then take a screen grab of your review and share that on Twitter or Instagram with the hashtag Keep Optimising. So that's K-E-E-P-O-P P-T-I-M-I-S-I-N-G. Okay, so hashtag keep optimising. We're gathering up all those entries. We'll be sharing and liking them as well. Give you a bit of kudos. And then each Wednesday... We'll pick one winner totally randomly um, and that person will win a t-shirt. So we'll get in contact, ask you what size you want, et cetera, et cetera, and then get it on its way to you. We're going to be doing that until the 2nd of September. Full details about the competition and everything else to do with the show are at keepoptimizing.com with an S not a Z. And I hope I get to send you out a t-shirt very, very soon because that would be kind of cool, wouldn't it? Now, make sure you have a great week. And listen in to the next episode so I can help you to keep optimizing your marketing. Access everything, Keep optimizing at keepoptimizing.com. That's with an S, not a Z.